I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 65 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. What's happening, Big T? I, uh, I just finished getting ready for a big night of sport because we have Roy and HG's Australian story tonight, and also the last two episodes of The Last Dance have also come out. So I'm mildly excited about rugby league dash uh, uh, NBA, but I'm also kind of glad that they got The Last Dance to finish now so that we can go back to focus on rugby league because it'd be hard if I was still trying to watch that basketball documentary while I was re-back in love with rugby league live. The timing's perfect, and um, that last mm. dance, and also I don't know if you've watched Drive to Survive, which is a Formula no. One documentary, really good. It make, it's made me hungry for some rugby league documentaries. Like, I think we should, tr- like, someone's got to do it. And I just think in terms of, like, hashtag grow the game, like, I'm not a Formula One fan. I've never really paid attention to it. But after watching Drive to Survive... I was interested to see where Daniel Ricciardo or who Daniel Ricciardo is going to be racing for next season. Like, it's it's really good. It's made me kind of a mini fan to a degree. So, I think there should, yeah. Now, at the risk of me sounding like an NRL yeah. lipster, have you gone onto the NRL.com and their TV section and gone to the documentaries? No, I haven't. Because they've got about eight and they're all fantastic. There's one about the Canterbury Bulldogs decade in yeah. the eighties. There's one about the Parramatta's decade. There's one about just the 2015 Cowboys premiership and the and the year leading up to that. They did one about the Sharks premiership and the leading year leading up to that. Uh, rugby league going from the kind of 1970s where people are kind of getting paid into the area of the eighties, nineties where everyone's really getting paid. It's great. There's really great documentaries on there. There you go. So they exist. We just, I just need war, to watch them. The wartime one is one all about the people who had to play through war and all this stuff. Yeah, it's great. NRL.com. That's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to go check that out straight NRL. away. Yeah, you should. I should. How are you going? What's happening this week? Um, well, actually, that's another thing that happened today, which I think you're trying to get me to remember, is that I spoke to Petro Simonseva <laughs> this afternoon. How good was that? I can't wait to hear I mean, that conversation. We're going to release it in a couple of weeks' time, but... Um, I'm just so pumped. Like, we've been trying to get Petro Sivanaseva on the show to talk Kaviti Silk Tales for how long? Ugh. I mean, I reread the interview notes when I first wrote them all down and I had to change so many stuff because, because it was definitely pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad we finally got there and I'm glad, I can't wait to hear it. It's, it sounds like he's a lovely guy. I was speaking to a, a guy at work today who's, who's of Fijian descent. And uh, I was telling him about it, and he goes, oh, what are you speaking to Petro about? And I said, oh, well, he started a club in Fiji called the Kaviti Silktails that are going to be playing in the New South Wales competition. And he goes, oh, Kaviti, that, that means the island, like in Fijian or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if they spoke about that, but we'll find out in a couple of weeks. What do you want me to tell you on it? Uh, let's leave it. Let's save it. Let's save it. No spoilers. Right. No spoilers. But we've got All some right. great convos coming up. I spoke to Eric Perez last week, which, like... I just had such a great time. He's a, he's an awesome character, and uh, we had a lot of fun. It was like a fireside, thirty minute Q and A session, and um, mm. we had a few laughs. But there was a lot of good serious content in there as well. Like r- just a great dude, and uh, yeah, we've got some some good content coming. Chasing kangaroos, listeners. 
And and also, just how great are the people in rugby league? They're great. What do they do now? I mean, we hear so, well. I just hear so many stories. I mean, everything that these people come on and say is interesting, and and oh well, that's what's happening in rugby league. That's great. But then you just you leave those conversations just also resonating with the fact that everyone who seems to be involved in this game seems like really great people. Yeah, they really are. I'll talk. I just yeah, go for it. Well, just also like Petro, fantastic bloke. But then all the people that Petro talks about also just seem like like they all, most of their stories are just about how great other people have been and how helpful it's been and how you know what I mean. I just can't believe that everyone's lying. It just seems like everyone, everyone who seems to be working really hard to get something done finds other people who are also trying really hard to get things done, and it's great. That's what you need to get things done. Good people behind it, also fantastic mm. stuff. We've had a great few weeks. Um, you guys have obviously been listening to. All the 13s episodes. So we've had, you know, Pacific 13s or Pacific Treads. <laughs> yeah. We've had we've had Euro 13s and, you know, yeah. both, both of those episodes, very different in nature. I was speaking to Laurent Gagné today and he said ever since they launched Pacific 13, it's just been nothing but positivity, nothing but, like absolutely crazy. And, and he said it's, wow. been, it's been huge for them. Um, on the other hand, Euro 13s, you know, very mixed. So we had, you know, people very excited about it, but obviously – We've all heard the Rugby League uh, European Federation response and there's been a bit of back and forth, but a little bit of an update on that as well. So, yep, there's been some back and forth on social media, some different articles being written. Um, so, But I think the, the little short episode that I recorded a few days afterwards with a little bit of a recap as well, um, hopefully the right people were listening and I do have some feedback that um, Euro 13 had prepared a proposal and they did have a Zoom meeting with the RLEF a uh, couple of days ago. So that means um, hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone can get on the same page and it could mean some wonderful things for rugby league in Europe. Fantastic, mate. Both those episodes were excellent and that the kind of catch-up brief response one, although it was, it would have been great um, if we could have got that interview over, um, you know, with, with the people actually from the Federation, but, you know, f- f- it doesn't really matter because your the cap the recap that you did in the quick insights thing was was really great and and a great quick summary and gra- and and great also to just move us along to hear what's happening to give everyone's voice um, the same space and uh, yeah it was really fascinating really I mean I don't want to say entertaining because that sounds wrong but it, it kind of felt productive that's the word it felt like everything's were moving and and people were being heard and it wasn't one sided and. And, or, you know, we could hear grumblings on social media or other parts of the world, but it was great just to hear everyone's, you know, we, everything's out in the open, everyone's being heard. So that, that feels more like we can move along if, if everyone's being getting an opportunity to speak. It feels fair and, and whatever. Yeah, let's hope great. some positivity comes from it. We've got another great episode today. Speaking of nice guys, you already mentioned Petro being one of the nicest yeah. guys in rugby league. But, mate, Quinn Nawadi, let me tell you, Canadians are just a different <laughs> breed of people. They are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. And Quinn Nawadi's no exception. He's probably one of the nicest, coolest dudes. He's just a kid as well. He'd only be 20, around 20 or 21. Very similar to, to Ronan Michael, another great interview we had last week, the Irishman. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, but Quinn, was, Quinn was amazing. I love the chat. We recorded it a few weeks ago, but we've had to hold off because of all the 13s episodes. And uh, I'm just glad we get to release that right here, right now. And the other thing is, Carbs, if anyone had ever told me, hey, there's going to be a podcast that's going to do, you know, lots of really great stuff about stuff you really care about. It's going to talk about your career. It's going to go for about a year. It's going to do really, really well. In fact, the international 
the board that are internationally recognised is going to pick it up and lots of people are going to hear it. And at the end of every episode, the, the host is going to tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'd be like, what the hell? What kind of, who does this? What's this? I wouldn't then go on, yeah, no, I'd love to go on that show and, and, and listen to that guy. So it's also credit to him that he would then put all that aside and, you know, and just enjoy it for its silliness and then get involved kind of in the whole thing. What a guy. Well, that's what's so great about him. He was He obviously had heard about us. He knew about our sign-off. And uh, he was still cool to come on. And in fact, you're probably going to ask me, are there any questions or things that I wanted to ask him but didn't? And uh, thinking back, I, you know, there's nothing that I wanted to ask him that I didn't ask. Like, he was very, he was very open and honest with everything. But there was one right. thing that we wanted to do in this episode. And I, as, when I first approached him <laughs> about the interview, I said, Quinn, I, would, I think it would be really cool if you ended the episode with a nice big fuck you, Carboni. And he said, he said, he said, yep, let me, pra- let me start practicing. He said, that's fine. Let's do it. And uh, I don't know, just to show how nice he is, the day of recording, he messages me and he said, look, I don't think I can tell you to get fucked. I just don't think I can do it. I don't have it in me. I can't do it. Even though you've said it to me every, every week, I just can't do yeah. it. I'm, you know, it's, it's not in my nature. And I said, mate, that's completely fine. The fans will be disappointed, but they're not going to be disappointed with this interview because, um, as we know, he's become a cult figure, especially amongst Chasing Kangaroos listeners. He's the first <laughs> or one of the, probably the only, to my knowledge, professional Canadian-born uh, rugby league player over in the Super League now or hopefully make his way to the Super League now that he's back with the Toronto Wolfpack. So many great stories here. We talk about his history in the game. We talk a little bit about his dad, who um, of Maori descent he played for, he played in the Auckland Rugby League. We talk about Sonny Bill Williams, who, of course, Quinn now ha- gets to meet because they, they train mm. together. Once once all this COVID-19 is over, they'll be back at training together. Just so many great stories. And uh, if you told me about all the way back in episode one that I'd be speaking to and interviewing Quinn Nawadi, I would have said there's absolutely no chance. So I'm so happy to, yeah. to finally release this one. Two things really quick. Um, Sonny Bill Williams has just reminded me I've bought – I went onto mascotbrands.com, mascotbrands.com.au, and bought a uh, Sonny Bill Williams Wolfpack T-shirt. Did he get ten percent off? And his number. You get ten percent off. And I got ten percent off Sonny Bill Williams. How, how could I not? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? I typed in twenty twenty vision. Beautiful. See, we're getting better at these segues, Mary Kay. Thank you. We are getting better Wasn't and better. <laughs> <laughs> not even say what happened in real life, and um, I'm just I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, which is just reporting on normal stuff. And the other thing I was going to say about Canada, Maori, um, Auckland Rugby League, what another great time because we're also building that incredible future episode about something, 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 something. Definitely. If you piece together what I was saying before about Marys and Auckland's, you might work it out. But there's just so many things that are happening in the moment, Cubs. Every time you bring up one thing, it reminds me of three others. It's hard. People are, we're getting a bit excited. You know, we've recorded and are planning so many different interviews and episodes. Yeah. I was telling someone the other day, we've got about 18 interviews that are lined up and ready to go. We've got about three in the bank. I'm about to go and record another one now after I speak to you. It's just absolutely crazy. And, you know, I just, I wish we could release them all one day after the other, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to hold back because I don't think, uh, I don't think people have enough time to just listen to you and I all day, every day. It's a sports best friend effect because um, when we met, you were doing, you were going hand to mouth one week per week. Whereas Murto and I are like, no, 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 let's do, you go until you break and then we just slowly <laughs> release all the ones. You go until your wife says, fuck you, Carboni. And then we go, okay, we've done, we're probably doing too many. And then we're done. And speaking of, actually, you've been on a few podcasts 
you're you're on like three podcasts a week now. You're a busy man. Yeah, well, yeah. The, well, the biggest tiger can't. You can't just be the biggest and then not be everywhere, or else that wouldn't be very big, would it? So, well, well t- tell the listeners where else they can listen to you. <laughs> well, if you're interested in rugby league, stay on this podcast. If you're interested in in <laughs> idiots drinking and then talking about rugby league, I did an episode on the voluntary tackle where we went to pubs because they finally opened up in New South Wales and and had a whole bunch of beers and then went back to his house and uh, drank port and talked about rugby league, which was which was fun and silly. And uh, and am I on another one, Cubs? I can't remember. I'm, I've obviously got sports best friends. You got sports but, um, best friends, mate. You got to speak to yeah. your, your idol, Blocker Roach. Like that would have been. Oh yeah, that happened. Well, again, see, that happened really about a month and a half ago. <laughs> the episode only just came out, but that was so much fun to just quiz him about and talking to him about what he loves, people that he knows. There's a Who Am I quiz um, with Steve Blocker Roach. He's such a nice place. See, everybody in rugby league, such nice people. Yeah, that's right, um, mate. And and when they're talking to the biggest tiger, it's hard not to be nice back, mate. It rubs yeah, off. And I don't uh, know about that. anyway, that's a big love fest. Continue the love fest because we're about to go to Into the interview. This, yep. Carbs. Yep. Me. Speaking to Quinn Noati and uh, Big T, I'll see you next week, bud. But yeah, over to that interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, very excited about our guest for this episode. He is the first Canadian-born player to play professional rugby league. And you hear about him pretty much in every episode of Chasing Kangaroos. He's back at the Wolfpack, Quinn Noati. Welcome to the show, bud. Cheers. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Mate, um, what a what a whirlwind few years you've had in and out of our sport. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know you or doesn't really know your history or background, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where it all began, how you discovered um, rugby league? Yeah, for sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here. And obviously... In this time, it's uh, great to have people like you still doing this. I know I listen to a few podcasts uh, throughout the week, and it just helps break up the time. Thanks, but, man. Um, for, yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of me, uh, I've grown up in Victoria, BC, in Canada, on the West Coast. And um, through my time there, I've always played uh, rugby, rugby union, um, specifically. My dad's a Kiwi, um, so I've had exposure to rugby league uh he played rugby league growing up so oh wow I've, I've, oh, yeah i've always been watching um highlights watching the nrl for pretty much as long as i can remember but uh, just in terms of the sport in canada especially at the youth level there's um not a lot so yeah for me my first exposure was rugby union and i've been playing that uh since under eights that's incredible, man. And did your dad play at a high standard or was it just he loved it? rugby league? Was his sport back home? Yeah, it was his sport. Um, I'm a uh, Maori background, so, yep. um, yeah, league touch, everything along those lines. Um, my family back home was pretty uh, – was really big into that. Wow. Um, he just uh, played club. My dad played club uh, in Auckland. So, yeah, that time it was um, – Pretty, I guess, um, as high because it was probably before the the Warriors were, yeah, um, full, yeah, full swing. But um, in terms of that, yeah, I've just been been watching it. It's always been really enticing to me, and and yeah. Did you have an NRL team growing up? You watched a fair bit of it. Yeah, uh, I was big. Well, I started off as a Warriors fan. Yep. Um, I loved uh, Manu Vatuai. Yep. 
that was yeah that was my guy and went to a few um every time I went to New Zealand went back home I saw as many games as I could and then uh recent years um been definitely supporting uh the Roosters is that just the be- Kiwis. just because they're winning yeah. or because of all the Kiwis well no no the amount of Kiwis <laughs> the amount of Kiwis they had and um I think the year before Sonny went back yep 2000 yeah 2000 I must think he went back in 2013 think yeah 2012 yep. yep 2012 they weren't doing really well so i bought all the merch bought all the merchandise when it was cheap yep yeah <laughs> good stuff man it must be pretty surreal being in the same squad as sunny bill williams now then after after watching him play all those years ago yeah it's pretty pretty ridiculous honestly um growing up i played it was always in rugby union it was always my position i always wanted to play number 12 yep and like i had a lot of coaches telling me uh, like you'll be a better eight man. You'll be better, like better loose forward. Um, your play kind of, because at that time, I guess, like, especially in the international game, there wasn't a ton of like tall rangy, um, centers. Yep. And, um, I had one coach sent, uh, send me like, I think Sonny's first, um, Canterbury highlight video Yeah. from his time in rugby union. And at that point I kind of just said, well, if this guy, if this guy's doing it at, at his um his height and size, then there's no no reason why I can't. And I always just try to see what he was doing and and what uh, obviously like his skill set and what worked for him and always tried my hardest to mirror that and and yeah, so yeah. it's pretty pretty surreal and I'm looking forward to obviously learning as much as I can. How incredible. Have you met him yet? Well because yeah. yeah, been... yeah, I had. How was he? Yeah. That was great. Honestly, like you wouldn't, I mean, I know everyone says like, he's the most humble guy and, and, and that, but like, honestly, you, you'd go in there and it's like pretty public his, his salary and what he's on, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. He drives like a, he drives a car that you wouldn't think anything of and he comes to work and he works hard every day and he's, and he's, um, like super professional, obviously, and just gets his work done. And he's great to all the boys and the coaching staff. So, I mean, it's going to be pretty amazing to, to have such a guy like that and just like a ton of the other guys on the team to look up to and to take things from. It's so great for, for, the, for the club and for Rugby League in Canada as well. And I want to talk more about that later on. But yeah, sure. I want to go through your career, man. You're still a young yeah. guy, like you're, you're 20, 21 years old. Um, you've You've obviously a lot of talent and you mentioned that you played a lot of rugby union growing up because there wasn't really rugby league or much rugby league in British Columbia and Canada. Yeah. So tell me about when you first heard about this opportunity with the Wolfpack, the opportunity to trial with them, what, what happened? What was that like? And, and take me through it. What do you have to do? Yeah. So, um, I was 17 and I uh, played for the under 17 national uh, rugby league team. That was like my first, um, any age grade rugby league in Canada. Yeah. Uh, Andy Black, Andy Blackburn is the, um, the rugby uh, Canada rugby league coordinator over there. And he set up a great um, kind of tour for uh, under 17s. And we had like a little training camp, play the game against uh, Canada west or sorry yeah kind of west versus canada east yeah. in ontario before he went um down to jamaica for oh two weeks i think it was 
And over that time, or it's just a week, but over that time, we had time to obviously learn the game, um, kind of figure out what the the sport holds in terms of we played a tournament, um, a nines tournament on a Wednesday and then played, uh, I guess, at the test match on the Saturday. Yep. So that was my, yeah, that was my first exposure to any like real first game of rugby league and um, I had a ton of friends who had obviously played uh, rugby union growing up and was on the, were on the same sevens teams um, for a lot of times, played against them a ton of times. It was great for them to kind of see um, and experience rugby league. So obviously like I knew about it, but before that, before that, and, and they didn't. So it was great for them to yeah. kind of get a taste of it. And from there, um, I went back to that was this, this summer um, before grade twelve, and through grade twelve, just was um, planning on on graduating and then um, starting flight school after graduation. But in uh, the November, I think before um, the December trials in England, there were World um, North American trials. Sorry. Yep. That the uh, uh, Andy said, Andy Blackburn just came to me and said, "Look, uh, the Toronto Wolfpack is having an open trial in Vancouver," and I mean, he pretty much said, "Like you might as might as well go." And after I thought about it, I didn't really have to think about it. There wasn't there wasn't much that could come uh, poorly from it. So yeah. I thought, if there's if there's anything, I might as well just go have a crack and um, any time learning from coaches and just learning rugby league in general, um, I was going to take full advantage of it. And did you know who, so, did you know who the Toronto Wolfpack were at the time? They were very new, obviously. Had you heard about this club? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did actually. There was, I think just like uh, throughout like Twitter and stuff, they always had a little bit of fan, fan involvement, just trying to say like, I think there was even like a poll on um, perhaps like what they should name the team. And, yeah, yeah. 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 It was pretty, I heard obviously through through social media about the team coming to the league, so that was um, very exciting for me. Um, and yeah, I went to the tryout in Vancouver, and I'm pretty sure they had about eight or nine across North America, so yep. in the states, yeah, Canada and Jamaica. And um, we went through a lot of obviously contact drills. The coaches wanted to see. Um, pretty much just what they were working with kind of thing. And then towards the end, we had like a little bit of a scrimmage. Yep. And yeah, so out of those eight or nine um, cities that they were in, I think someone said there was like a um, couple thousand trialists. Well, wow. uh, they, yeah, they selected 16, uh, 16 players to come to England for a week. And that was in December that um, that week camp was. So we came to, the Wolfpack's training location, which at, at that time was um, the Brighouse Rangers. Yep. Close to, yeah, up in Huddersfield, close to Huddersfield. So we went up there for a week, stayed in um, some accommodation up there, and then trained every day, um, got to see the sights around um, uh, England. Uh, and then on the Saturday, we played a game against the local club. And from there, they um, chose three players to receive contract. Who were the other guys? Do you remember? Uh, it was, yeah, it was um, Joe Eichner. Yep. And Nathan Campbell. 
Awesome. Joe, Joe's in yeah. uh, in North Queensland at the moment, yeah. so he's yeah. Uh, yeah doing very well. Yeah. And um, so you're there. You're one of the three players out of like a thousand, which yeah. <laughs> again, very surreal. Would have been absolutely incredible. Um, For sure. What happened next? How was this? How was that first season? Yeah. So I, um, because I still had to graduate high school. Yep. So I was in in December. They said um, you can come out after you finish school. So I graduated um, in June. I'm pretty sure I walked across the stage on like June the 21st. And on the 22nd, I was on a plane to Toronto. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So right after, um, got, in, got at that time, uh, the team was playing in Toronto. So I got there and obviously met all the boys. Um, great experience. Like even then, the amount of talent that we had on the squad, um, there's tons of people that I, had looked up to and, and like um knew before yeah uh even there like my roommate that season was Fui and just like it was that was even how was that amazing for me. yeah Fui's a funny guy from what i've from what i've heard and understood yeah. like there would have been some trouble some fun times <laughs> yeah definitely um some fun times obviously i was at the age i was 17 at the time yeah or 18 yeah 18 at, at the time so i wasn't um, doing much but even just what i learned from him in terms of the training and yep. um just like the little things you can pick up i um, enjoyed that a ton obviously yep. and then yep. yeah throughout throughout that summer um got to see obviously the fans uh in and how the club was operating at that time and then went back to back and forth to england throughout the the season so i got to kind of understand what the um the travel demands were going to be yep um and yeah just enjoyed that time and uh i think after i played two games um for the club in league one uh towards the end of the uh but before the i guess the middle eights at that time yep was yep yeah and uh before that and um played two games did did all right, I guess, and the club offered me a two-year deal after that. Excellent. And you, what was the vibe like in those early days? Like with the, like playing, especially playing games in Toronto at home. So a new sport, a new team. What were the fans kind of like in those early days? Did they really understand or get it what was going on, or realize how special this was? I mean, I think it, it was definitely. Um, definitely interesting a new new sport there was a there's a there's a ton of people that are, um obviously toronto's a massive city so the amount of yep. expats probably um came in but i just feel like rugby in canada rugby union rugby league is just so it's um so, so massive and obviously canada being a commonwealth that those ties are always going to be yep. um alongside like england specifically yep uh, i just feel like for the Canadian public, like the, the chance to watch rugby at a professional level was always going to be enticing. So it was great for the fans to come out. Sometimes I, th- I think it was the first game I watched on TV from home and there was a big, a big punch up and everyone was loving it. I think there was a few <laughs> yellows, but the, yeah. the fans just loved it. Cause obviously the hockey background. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, the beer gardens always, was always crazy. Uh, and I think like the only like maybe weird thing is is that like uh, the beginning of the games would be a little bit quiet. You'd be out for warm up. There wouldn't be a ton of people already in the stadium, but then you'd come out for the game, 
and there'd just be a ton of people. So, and then they would just like keep filling up uh, throughout the the game. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It would have been quite something different as well compared to the games that you played over in the UK. Uh, Tell me about your decision to leave because about a year and a half ago, pretty much about the same time that this podcast started, I think one of our first pieces of news or items of news on episode one of this podcast was was you leaving um, the Wolfpack. Tell us a little bit about that decision, how it came about um, and what you did in in the seasons in between. Yeah, um, it was uh, at that time I was playing with uh, the London um, Scholars yep. down in London. Yep. So it was uh, I was living down there with um, my American roommate Ryan Burroughs. Oh, cool! Ryan's also awesome. yeah, I've met him before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're both we're both playing um, down there, and obviously it was great to have some have game time. But I just feel like. I was missing out on probably the my development um, of the, like the chance to learn from a lot of the guys up uh, in the Wolfpack. Yep. Obviously, they're not. It's not like it, the London and Manchester are close, so it was yep. uh, like a train ride or two train rides every week to be at training for both. That kind of um, broke up how often I was at the yep. Wolfpack training. And that was a so, dual, yeah, that was a dual registration deal, wasn't it? So yeah. You, yeah, you were yeah. Wolfpack contracted, but playing for scholars. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and towards the end of that season, I just uh, reached out to, I think Brian Noble at the time yep. and Rennie Matua, who had kind of moved into the um, player welfare role. And I just said, uh, in terms of my development, I think it would just be, uh, it would definitely help if I was still like, in the mix and learning from players up in on the Wolfpack. Yep. So yeah, I it was I was lucky enough to get back into training with them. Went back and forth to uh, Toronto a few times. Was lucky enough to get a game in. Um, and and then to like towards the end of the season, I was just thinking, there's obviously at that point in time there was such a um, a focus from the team of getting promoted yeah. and obviously like from the personal thoughts like that definitely should be the their only goal at that point in time of getting promoted yeah um and i just thought that in terms of my development i didn't really want it to to drop off or, or my like where i could be in the future just kind of be affected by that goal and while i was still like still enjoying my footy i just thought that i did have um an option back in um the west on the west coast in langford to both um do my uh pilots degree yep and and play um sevens for the national team at the same time yep so, yeah so for those uh so because I, I had that option i just thought that at this point in time um i just wanted to to keep pushing myself and i thought that that was the best um option for me so i went home and uh yeah so did you feel that the because the club sort of rose through the divisions very quickly like four years three divisions is insane did you feel like they were moving forward at a rate faster than your development was going and you kind of didn't want to be left behind in a way so you needed to develop yourself in another way is that what i'm what i'm understanding or i Somewhat. I just feel like at that point, I did. I just didn't want me not like get left behind development wise, but just where my career was going. I just yeah. didn't feel like 
that my thoughts and and where my career would end up was just in their in Un- their thoughts fully understood gotcha yeah, yeah yeah and the opportunity to study some more as well you know you want to make exactly. sure that after your career you're looked after as well so yeah. yeah it sounds like a good move and how was so rugby sevens how was the change back to rugby and in particular sevens like sevens is a little bit bigger than 15s in north america if i'm mistaken yeah. so that would have been yeah, a bit of fun yeah for sure um i was lucky enough uh, the ex-canadian head coach Damien McGraw, he he was a rugby league coach yep. in England as well, and he uh, he knew Nobby pretty well, Brian Noble. So it was good to have that um, connection coming back, and a lot of his structure, even though it's sevens, it still incorporated a lot of uh, rugby league. Yep, um, which was good for me, but uh, it was definitely tough. I mean, I came back at one hundred and eight kilos or one hundred six kilos. And I needed to, I think I, by the time I was at like any point to be playing or on the national um, circuit, I would have had, I had to be around a hundred or 101. Yep. Um, so that, that was definitely, and it wasn't like I was, it wasn't like it was fat or my body fat was out by that much. Um, it was just the running legs and the amount of amount we had to run. I mean, there's sometimes some weeks we were, we were had like 40 K weeks over like four sessions. Wow. So yeah, it was ton, tons of running, be, but I really, fit. <laughs> exactly. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, there's a ton of, of players that I played with who had been around um, professionalism pretty much their, their whole lives. Yeah. Um, a ton of like Canadian legends as well. So it was great to pick up a few things from them. Um, and yeah, but I, I would played for the, the make police, which is like the, the development national team um, got to see the world went down to uh, South America to play in a few tournaments. Awesome. And yeah. And then also that was my, it was my under twenties year um, as well. So I made the under 20 squad um, for Canada and we went to the world trophy um, in Brazil as well. And um, uh, yeah, it was obviously tons of, of learning and I enjoyed it. Um, but I feel like there was just always something in the back of my mind that was that was just I wanted to push further. And I really uh, enjoyed. I would just like I probably like something for me is that I enjoy the preparing week in, week out for a game on the weekend. Yeah. So that like I found that kind of tough in sevens where it's like three weeks preparation and then you play like six six games over two days kind of thing yeah 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 that, yeah i just found that the um i just from like a personal enjoyment i found the working from like a week to week awesome man me. and how, yeah. how how was your dad at the time because he obviously would have been proud of you either way but was he sort of you know being a rugby league man was he sort of yeah. wanting you to stick with with league I mean, both both of my parents obviously like they just they want what's best for me and yeah great at the time yeah they they're gonna back me in uh, whatever decision I make which obviously I'm super proud of yeah. and thankful for and I know that whatever I do they're just gonna push me to be my best at and it wasn't really there was no really like regret or anything I just wanted to um, just stay training and playing at the highest level that I could yep 
So, yeah, yeah. So, the opportunity to play for the Wolfpack arose again recently. Um, tell me how that came about because, you know, it's um, pretty cool to have you back, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how'd that all happen? So, I, I was training um, at the night. So, the Sevens team is full time yeah. and the Development 15s in Canada, it's, it's like a full time gig. So, I was doing that and I always just, you know, I just wanted to, um, kind of just have a idea of where things were at. Um, there was, I had a few, little bit of interest from some MLR teams. Yep. So the new, uh, competition in North America. And that kind of just opened my mind up to really realizing that I can make a career out of this. Not like I didn't know before, but I just thought that I had some, a lot of time to think really. And, yeah. uh, I just, kind of understood that this is what I want to do and really, really, uh, just make a whole career out of it. Um, and I just, uh, reached out to Brian Noble who was here at the time and just said, um, is there any chance that I could come back or is there anything that could be worked out kind of thing? And he said, yeah, I, um, would have a look. And a few months later, obviously there was a little bit of, um, I had to get like dispensation from the RFL yep. that's for the Canadian players, North American players to be, it's always just difficult visa wise because you're a Canadian player playing for a Canadian team, but that team's in a British competition. Yeah. Yeah. So all that just yeah, needed to be sorted out. It took a little bit of time, but it's, it's all sweet now. And um, I think I might've reached out to Navi and then a few weeks later, um, they announced, or there was rumors that uh, Sonny Bill was uh, wanting to come back. So I just felt like everything kind of aligned, and was pretty happy. It was perfect timing, man. And you, yeah. you, you mentioned how hard it is being Canadian born and being able to play in an English competition. Do you think that is going to make it harder for others like you that are coming up through? I mean, I spoke to. Um, I spoke to Josh Knight, who's in charge of the British Columbia Rugby League um, not long ago, and I speak to him regularly. And when I had him on the podcast, he said, you know, we've got five or six Quinn Quinn Nuardis in our competition that could could make it, you know. They just need to be given an opportunity. Do you think those opportunities are there? And and do you think there are other guys that, that could sort of make it to where you're at? I mean, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say, like, I'm like amazingly special in any way. I just yep. like to work, uh, like to work hard. And, um, I feel like, especially with the, the aces coming now yep. who have said, they stated that they want a ton of Canadians on their roster. Yep. That will definitely help. I mean, it's kind of been a, a thing in Canada specific, like in rugby union as well. Um, up until the MLR where, if you wanted to to make it big, you go overseas and it, in a lot of circumstances, it's, it's being in the right place at the right time and making the most out of your opportunities. But I mean, definitely now with the wolf pack and um, with the aces, that pathway is there and it's, it's really exciting because I know that there's a ton of guys that I've played with both in on the national team and um, even in rugby union as well, who can definitely uh, make the switch. And it would be great to see them in the competition as well. If I was to put you on the spot, like who would be some names that like we should look out for who you think could make it if they applied themselves? To be honest, like 
a lot of a lot of the, like the sevens guys that I've I've played with, even um, the younger guys. Yeah. Obviously, the the contact and the rules is a bit different, but yeah. for outside backs, wingers, um, in sevens, like the amount of time we spend on how to catch high balls, like that's like wingers specifically. Fitness is is massive in sevens, and it can translate. So I mean, the, you can take your pick out of the, f- the fastest sevens wingers. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like it's people's. It'll be people's love of the sport. Yep. Who who are going to make it make it far? Really, like if you want to be here and you want to train hard and you enjoy the contact and you um, enjoy the uh, set by set and that uh, and that's what you enjoy, then that's what's going to take you far. Awesome, man. And have you noticed in the last few years, so from when you sort of started with the Wolfpack and now being back, have you noticed back home, you know, a little bit of a of a shift or more of an understanding for the sport? Like, do, have things changed from that perspective over there? I think, I think definitely. Like, obviously, there's there's going to be people, especially in England, who who aren't um, super happy with expansion. Yeah. But there's um, in Canada specifically. I feel like any any rugby player or anyone who's a fan of rugby just um, really enjoys the opportunity to see Canadians playing at the highest level and playing professionally. Yeah. And it's such a Canadian thing to like really get behind um, Canadians that are doing well. So I think that's great for a ton of people. Um, and I mean specifically, like for from the first year that I was there to even the last game that I played, the difference of uh, people in the stadium is just uh, massive. And I think it's like pretty special to be walking around like downtown Toronto or on the plane and you see like a Wolfpack hat or something like that. So I feel like the brand is definitely um, spreading and with that, the sport spreading. And like David uh, Argyle, the owner says like yep. his, um, his like the number one thing about why he wants the Wolfpack and why he, uh, it's like so um, for the expansion of rugby and rugby league is just to have like footy balls in kids' hands because it makes the world a better place. And from what I've seen and my personal experiences, that uh, I think um, that's that is the truth. So I love that man, and it's a big part of the Wolfpack brand. And like yeah. you said, that Wolfpack, that logo, that brand, it's one of the best in the sport. And the Aces is pretty cool too. You must love that you know, being in aviation yourself or studying to fly, like yeah. the whole aces sort of thing must really appeal to you as well. Yeah, it's true. Obviously that brand branding is in professional sports is one of the best things that you can do. And I yeah. think the Wolfpack and the aces have definitely, definitely done that well. And I'm just excited to hopefully get this season or the next season, whenever it starts, get it underway and, and just try and, put all these words into action and start learning. So what's happening now? You've obviously signed with the Wolfpack. You're over, moved over to England. You had a game with, with the Rochdale Hornets. Yeah. You, you went okay. And all of a sudden, you know, the world's sort of in lockdown. Yeah. What do yeah. you do? What, great timing. <laughs> but um, yeah, what, what, what are you, what are you doing over there to keep fit? And, and we'll sort of, what's the word? Like, are you still talking to the boys? Are you ta- in contact with the coach? Like what is happening over there right now? Yeah, it's um, obviously a tough situation, but it's not like it's specific to us. It's the yep. world, and, and every sport is is going through this. Um, our strength and conditioning coach Sean Kelly has been 
uh, massive. Each, uh, we send out, we get monthly um, workouts for our week and um, we still have to fill out our reporting for every workout we do. So we're, we're always being recorded um, in kind of our progression and making sure that we're staying ready uh, for whenever the season may uh, commence. Um, in terms of what I've heard, there's not not much really. It's kind of we're definitely up to the the government standards here in um, in England. So whenever the government says that sporting fixtures can happen again, I I'll, like I assume that's when things might start rolling forward. Yep. Um, obviously, everyone's in contact through WhatsApp. Um, the boys we have had a, like a few Zoom calls just to make sure everyone's doing well kind of thing yep. the coach has been in contact it's been great um speaking to him obviously there's few better people to learn from in terms of yep. pedigree of coaches so i'm really looking forward to making the most of that um and just for me personally staying fit and um just trying to watch as much league as i can so i'm pretty sure i've watched all the wolfpack games over all of the nrl games over i made it back to like the 2005 world club challenge oh, found yeah. that on youtube so i'm just trying to yeah just just trying to find as much um footy as i can and yeah well you'll be happy to know the nrl's back soon so you'll be able to, yeah, to watch some uh, some more recent sort of stuff yeah, um soon. mate um so what's let's assume that you know things will get back to normal soon and super league 2020 gets to see out that season What's your goal this year? Do you are, are you do you think or are you hoping to be able to play a Super League game for the Wolfpack this season, or do you see yourself sort of in like ploughing the trade and learning as much as you can um, in in uh, for Rochdale throughout the season and hoping for opportunities? Where, where do you see it? Yeah, well, I, I'm never going to doubt myself, and yeah, I'm going to work as hard as I can. So you know, that is my goal is to is to play super league, whether it happens or not, it's, it's going to be up to me and how hard I'm willing to work and learn. But, um, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm not going to try and, and hold back. I'm just going to throw everything at it and, and try and make the most of every opportunity that I get. I'd love to see it, man. A Canadian in the super league would be insane. Yeah. And, uh, you're definitely the closest so far. What's what you've got a long career ahead of you. You're still such a young guy. So what's what's the ultimate goal for Quinn Nwadi? Well, yeah, to be honest, it's been I've just been trying to look kind of year year month by month, but it's just to be honest, I'm just trying to work as hard as I can every day, learn as much as I can every day, um, get reach my next goal, and and not be happy with that, and and just trying to work forward and and create a goal every time I've uh, met my new one. So I can't say exactly in you know in 10 12 years time where i want to be but i just want to work as hard as i can try and play a super league game and see where i go from there awesome man have you played for canada yet yeah i have I've played um i played in the america's challenge again uh against america and um i've played a few games against like the great britain police and yeah. the new zealand police do you so, yeah. do you see that like does a potential maybe World Cup for Canada, like or helping them, um, helping them qualify for a World Cup. Is that something that 
excites you or something that you think about or are looking towards? Of course, like I, I've been super great, grateful for the, every opportunity that like the Canadian rugby league um, has given me so far and to be able to potentially pay them back and, and getting the team to a world cup, that'd be, uh, that'd be pretty high on my um, accomplishment list. That's awesome, man. What, what do you see? Like, I want to sort of dig deep into what your thoughts are about the sport in, in your home country. So like, where do you see it? Like obviously Sonny Bill playing for the Wolfpack is huge. Like there's, there's plenty of headlines there and people are starting to notice the Wolfpack's doing well and they're up in Super League now and people are starting to notice the aces are there, you know? So what, how do you see this sport taking shape over the next decade or so in Canada and what would you like to see happen how would you help sort of or develop the game and the players if it was up to you yeah sure um I definitely feel that like obviously the names of people that know no no rugby in general is going to help yeah um I feel like once people a lot of people have said this is once a Canadian watches a rugby league game I'm sure they'll be hooked it's just the contact the physicality the fitness, just the whole kind of idea of the sport is, um, it just fits in with the Canadian sporting culture so well. Um, and for me specifically, I guess what I'd like to see, um, I just feel like perhaps like something what the Toronto Raptors does yep. because Canada is such a, such a massive place. Raptors will take their preseason games or they'll take their preseason kind of training camps across Canada to, meet um fans and potential like players throughout canada so i thought like maybe if um there was to be like a preseason game in vancouver or um somewhere just even ottawa just to get the kind of the movement starting across the whole country yeah that'd be great and um obviously you don't with the sport being so young as it is you don't really want kids having to choose right away um, at the, like at this point in time, because I mean, you can learn so much from both codes. Yeah. So if, yeah, it's like the both governing bodies, um, work in a way that like a kid could play league in the summer and uh union in the winter kind of thing, just yep. have like kind of two, two separate seasons. There's, there's going to be no kind of downfall on that. There's only going to be, um, ups and bonuses of kids playing two different uh, sports, but kind of with the same general rules and the same basic skills. I feel like if that's going to work anywhere, it's Canada because everyone yeah. seems to get along and it's one place where, like, there's obviously a lot of, um, look, the rugby codes have been at war with each other since 1895. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but for some reason in places like Canada, there, there seems to be a decent relationship and I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just... yeah. Yeah, but there's something about that, and you could be onto something there. Like they can, they might be able to all grow together. So it's very yeah. interesting. It'll be interesting to watch. There's definitely like as well in um, in hockey. I know like a ton of kids I play that I grew up with. You play like hockey in the winter, and then in the summer you play lacrosse kind of thing. Ah, uh, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and it's just like a bet. Like it benefits you in both sports, and it obviously gives you options in um, in both sports as well. Whether like whichever you want to pursue. So there's definitely um, that precedent has been set in terms of what you do in the summer and, and what you do in the winter kind of thing that benefits you. Do the Wolfpack do much 
um, in collaboration with the the Arrows, the MLR rugby side over there? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't been obviously. I haven't been here long enough to really see. I yeah. haven't been um and been over, but um, I mean, not not that I'm not super aware of that at the moment. But yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you, do you see a day as well? And obviously, this is all hypothetical stuff. So I appreciate yeah, you yeah. answering the questions. Worry, but no worries. Yeah, we've got um obviously Toronto there. Ottawa's coming in. We've got New York, Keene. Um, do you see a day where there are more and more North American clubs, and you know there's an opportunity to split into like a North American Super League? Do you see that day happening? Yeah, I certainly certainly hope so, and I think that. Like the sporting market in America is, and North America is um, so large that if there's enough people and there's enough people that that want to uh, enjoy the sport, then obviously that's that's um, super massive. I think that the MLR have set a pretty good precedent. Obviously, this being like their second season now, yeah, um, it's doing pretty well. Um, so yeah, I'm not nothing's nothing's impossible. So. Anything, anything where the sport's growing, I'm never going to shut that down, and you never know what can happen. That's awesome, man. So, what next for for Quinn Nwadi, man? This is, uh, I guess, my final question. What's next for you? What's your big goal? What, where do you want to be in a year's time, five years time? Yeah, I guess the well, first, I guess the next goal is my next workout, making the most of that. Um, but, but yeah, once we get starting, just trying to my best foot forward um for Rochdale and and trying to learn as much as I can at every training hopefully um that leads uh to something greater with the wolf pack and once I get the ball rolling just don't stop until I I can't stop really I hope to see you and Sonny Bill lining up in the pack together man in the near future i want to say a big thank you as well you're an absolute rock star our our, our listeners like you've just be- you've built such a cult following amongst our listeners so they're going to be so happy that you're back and hope to see be cheering for you as well so mate um i just want to say a big thank you for joining me on the show was there anything else you wanted to you wanted to mention before we go or um oh, i just want to say yeah just just thank you for for having me obviously it's great to to have the game um, still going on and uh, there's obviously a lot of people um, as you said that hopefully are enjoying what I'm doing and I'm just trying to trying to make them proud trying to make my family proud and and yeah thank you for having me no worries man thank you Quinn Nawadi cheers thank you